Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to our 2021 Oscars post-discussion. This is your co-host Corbin. And I'm Alan. Well, the 93rd Oscars have just wrapped up. They premiered Sunday night. That was last night here in the United States. I actually wasn't able to watch the Oscars this year. I did watch all of the acceptance speeches, but I missed all of the connective tissue, but that's why we've got Alan here to talk about how the show went, because from what I'm hearing and from what I gathered from the clips that I saw, it was strange to say the least. It was very, very different, but the reason I wasn't able to see it was because yesterday was my wife's birthday. They just so happened to schedule the Oscars on my wife's birthday. Now, keep in mind, usually the Oscars are like two months ago normally. Um, We should have been done with this a long time ago. But because of COVID, I guess they had to give them extra time and they had to push it back. So hopefully they won't be pushed back again because it is does make things difficult because that's when my wife's birthday comes up, but celebrating her birthday was more important. But nevertheless, I did catch some stuff. So I do want to talk about this show. I heard it was very interesting and I've got some thoughts, but Alan, I I want to know what did you think as you were sitting there watching it live? So now I did come in a little bit late. I was about an hour late to the actual ceremony. So I missed about a third of it. But from what I understand, And from what I've gathered and what I've read, the first third was relatively normal compared to the rest of the show. Um, So the show as a whole, um, or at least the last two thirds that I caught, um, was kind of really interesting. Um, It's definitely the most out there Oscars I've I've seen. Um, Now, so the show was directed by Steven Soderbergh. Um, this time around, and they didn't hold it in the usual theater that they, you know, that they usually hold the Oscars in. This time around, I think it was in um, like the Los Angeles Union Station, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was strange to take, to to say the least. Uh, you know, usually there's like a you know unusual structure to the Oscars where they will announce the uh, nominees and then they'll like play a short clip um, for each one. They didn't really do that this year. They kind of, I think they did a couple of times they would play clips, but for the most part, they would just run right through um, the nominees and then give out the actual, um, or th- then say the, say the winner. And then the nomin- the person who won would have a little bit more time to go up on stage and make the acceptance speech and whatnot. So that was fine. But the structure of these Oscars was also changed where um, for whatever reason, they did best supporting actor um like really early on it was i think the one two three it was the fourth nomination or fourth award that they gave out during the night and then at the end which is fine but it you know usually you know you have them in pairs right you have like for instance when you if you do best supporting actor you usually do also do actress right after that 
but Best Supporting Actress wasn't until much later. But the weirdest thing was they didn't um, do Best Picture, or they didn't do, be yeah, they didn't do Best Picture last. They usually build up to that one because it's the most prestigious award. It's the biggest award of the night. Um, and this time they did it third to last. So it went Best Picture, then Actress in a Leading Role, and then Best Actor in a leading role. And I can only presume that this was because they were expecting Chadwick Boseman to walk away with the Oscar for best actor in a leading role. And I, I think um, that's what most people seem to, be, seem to be speculating as to why it was this way. Um, but um, as we know, now that it's about a 24 hours since the Oscars have uh, finished, uh, Chadwick Boseman didn't win and instead it went to Anthony Hopkins. Um, and even then, that speech or I guess the intro and then um, dismissal speech from Joaquin Phoenix itself was also just really weird and also ended up leaving the show very anticlimactic because he came up on stage and he acted like he didn't really have much prepared. Um, and then when, you know, it didn't go to Ant or to Chadwick Boseman, he just kind of, you know, says, oh, Anthony Hopkins accepts this on behalf of the or we the Oscars at the Academy accept this accept this uh, award on behalf of Anthony Hopkins Hopkins who couldn't be here tonight, um, and then about and and before that before they did Best Picture, they also played a little game, which was probably the the single weirdest thing I've ever seen in an award ceremony like this. Um, so the game was that uh, they would play a song, and this happened right after Best Original Song was given out, um, and before Best Picture. Uh, they would play a song, the DJ would, um, which they didn't have a live band this time. It was a DJ who was, I didn't find to be very good at all. Um, they'd play a song, and then they would pick somebody random in the audience, and they would have to pick either it was a song that was uh, that won an Oscar, that got nominated for an Oscar but didn't win, or was neither. Um, they picked three people. They first started with Andre Day, um, who really didn't want to play. And in fact, I think the vibe of the room was nobody really knew what was going on, and no one really knew, no one really wanted to play. So they first started with Andre Day, who ended up just giving up her mic. Then they went to um, David Kaluuya, who didn't get very far. And then they went to Glenn Close, who figured out, or I think she figured out the song and then started dancing to the butt um, <laughs> by shaking her own butt oh, um, right there in front of everybody. Um, and of course, Twitter went crazy over that and there were many memes to be had. So all in all, it was a very strange Oscars to say the least, Corbin. Um, yeah. I would say you sure missed a, uh, you sure missed an interesting <laughs> ceremony last night. Um, definitely not the best Oscars by any means. Uh, it's kind of been, from what I gather, people are not very happy with the way that it ended or really the way that it kind of played out just in general. Yeah, that's something we were talking about behind the scenes was, at least to me, it took out some of the prestige, some of the grandeur. I understand probably packing in a couple thousand people into one room, even if they have been fully vaccinated, I can understand people's fears. I understand why Anthony Hopkins didn't want to travel from Wales to Los Angeles. He is older. He probably just didn't feel up to it or probably felt safe enough or I wanted to go through the whole rigmarole. Believe me, I traveled through airports during COVID. It is 
a pain. So like I said, I get it. I get why they did it. Um, yeah, it's just not as fun though. I, I, it just looked really different. It was very different setting. People were sitting around tables kind of in this, um, mm-hmm. staggered levels almost. And the way that it opened, I did get to see the opening with Regina King. I understand that Soderbergh wanted it to feel like a movie. He tried to shoot it like a movie. There was even opening credits actually saying like starring Regina King, starring Brad Pitt. And it was like a one shot tracking her as she walked into the room and went through all of it. I had no idea they played those games. I understand they're trying to make it lighthearted. It was, I think one of those things that I found really strange is when um, nominees weren't there like Olivia Coleman, people were in these mm-hmm. like really kind of barren looking theaters, these like ghost right. town theaters that were also there. And it seems like everybody that was foreign didn't seem to come into the US for this. They were in their native country, um, just standing in front of a camera looking really cold and it's probably like three in the morning for them over in Italy and right. waiting, right. waiting to see if they get the award and then they don't get it. And then they're like, great i've been standing in front of this camera forever so i agree from what i caught it was weird and i was shocked to find out they didn't do best picture last i think that was a big mistake i will say my experience i was able to just go watch the acceptance speeches on like abc.com i actually got to structure the oscars the way i wanted to so i Mm -hmm. did watch the best picture last so in my mind, that's how the Oscars ended, even though I did see that clip where Joaquin was like, well, it goes to Anthony. He's not here. We take it. And then it cut back to the DJ and they're like, that's it, folks. Thanks for coming out. I'm like, what? This is such yep. a weird way. And you're right. They were trying to, I think, um, subvert. Ex- I think they were trying to have it be like, oh, yeah, it's going to go to Chadwick posthumously. His um, widow is going to accept it. And it's going to be kind of that tearjerker movie ending where surprise, it totally subverted our expectations. And it was like wildly anticlimactic from everything that I've gathered. So honestly, I feel like if I was going to have to miss an Oscars, I'm kind of glad it was this one. I did get to see enough clips, but it really sounds like I didn't miss out on anything special or memorable. But I will say with, I think my favorite Oscars in recent memory was the one where we didn't have a host. That, that would have been the first year that we didn't have the host because they also didn't have one this for, for, they also didn't have one for this year either. It was just like, oh, okay, people would come up and do the announcement for the, for the awards. And that was about it. Just different people. So that's just, I think this is the second or third year we've had it without a host. I did like it the yeah the first time they didn't have a host because it was pretty mm-hmm. streamlined. We just got to go through things and got to see the awards. I don't like it when it's really bloaty and there's just all this excess fat and it drags on for three hours and it's like, okay, let's right. get on with it. So I don't know. It sounds like this one had kind of a mixed bag of pacing. Like there was no host, but there was these weird games you were talking about. Um, yeah, they didn't they didn't show the clips beforehand from what I understand of like mm-hmm. the actors and actresses for their roles they were nominated for. Um I did not like the music they would play when they would say and the Oscar goes to they'd say the person's name and then they would play music 
while they walked onto the yep. stage. I thought that music was bad. It was really weird. Yep. That would be your DJ. Um, I I did mention him. <laughs> that wasn't a very big fan of okay. your DJ this time around. Um, usually there's a live band. Not this time. They mm. they decided to go down the DJ route. Um, yeah, and that also going along with that with them walking down, uh, they had to like weave in and out of all the tables, and they're kind of really That's high true. up. And so sometimes it would awkward. go on for just an awkwardly yeah. long time before they finally reach up on the stage and can start giving their speech. Whereas before they would just like get out in the aisle and just walk straight to the stage um, because of the way that it was laid out. So that also just hurt it, hurt it a lot when you have like this just awkward moment where like nothing's really happening <laughs> and they're just kind of weaving throughout tables to get to the front to give their speech. Yeah. And but speaking of speeches, I noticed they weren't playing music to like cut anybody off really or kind of shoo them off the stage like that usually mm -hmm. happens every year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, they just even shut the lights off when Parasite won Best Picture. And they're like, we're we're done hearing from you guys. And like Hugh Jackman and somebody else started leading the chant to like Tom Hanks, like turn the lights back up and let them actually speak. So I, I didn't notice that right. this year. And from what I understand, yeah. um, Soderbergh wanted them to like actually write a speech, say what they want to say. Don't worry about the time it takes. So I was, I really liked that part of it. Yeah, I think that there are a couple of changes that I ended up liking. Um, for what was very different, um, which is a lot of things for this Oscars, there are a few things uh, that I did actually kind of like the way that they went down. Like I like the fact, on, most people, from what I understand, you know, it's just kind of a, a tradition to play the clip before they get the award. But at the same time, you know, if you've seen these movies, it's kind of like just watching the movie over again. So I kind of liked there not being them to play the clips before they actual right before they actually say who the winner is. Um, I kind of like the fact that they would just go boom, 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 boom. Here's the nominations. Here's the winner. And then let the winner kind of come up on stage and then kind of talk for, you know, almost as long as they feel mm -hmm. um, is appropriate um, to give their acceptance speech. It does kind of make it so, you know, it feels a bit more like free flowing, uh, a bit more unpredictable that way instead of having to, you know, hope someone gets their speech done within a, like two or three minutes or whatever. Um so, I mean, those are a couple of moments where a couple of things that I actually did like compared to previous Oscars. It, it did feel like to move along a little bit quicker. Um, however weird, sometimes it did do that. Sometimes it, did move, sometimes it did move along. But there are a couple of things that I did enjoy the change of. Now, right before we jump into the nominees and who actually won and our thoughts on whether we're glad or we're upset, I think there is... A number of surprises for me, at least in the night, but I think there's also some things that were really pretty obvious, like it would have been shocking if some of these nominees didn't win. The one thing that I will say is the Oscars seem to not be able to make up their mind each from year to year, whether it's just going to strictly be about the movies and the nominees or whether they're going mm -hmm. to try and weave some kind of political commentary into things. We're not going to like talk very much about that, but... I think if you don't like sitting in award shows and hearing people's political opinions, from what I gathered and saw from accept some acceptance speeches and how the Oscars began with Regina King talking about the Derek Chauvin trial in Minneapolis, I think this year probably won't make you very happy or make you at least yeah. not to watch it, uh, want to watch it. And I thought that was kind of funny when she um, said, 
I know people start reaching for their remotes when Hollywood starts preaching at you, but this is important and I, ne I need to say this or something. Right. So there was a couple times where I noticed that, but at other times where I thought there was going to be some really nauseating um, political stuff, there wasn't. So it was a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Like I was really kind of like, oh gosh, this guy's going to go on forever about this. And then I was like, oh, Okay, never mind. That was good. Or vice versa. So, mm -hmm. all I'm saying is it's not a, it doesn't seem like a Hollywood award show without it. So, there is, was some of that in there, but it wasn't as much as I was expecting. But I still think uh, viewership might go down this year because from what I understand, viewership is continually declining. And from what I've heard, the political commentary doesn't help uh, change people's opinions about wanting to watch it. Right. And it also doesn't help that, you know, when you have an award show like this, where people would want, people who actually want to watch it. Um, it, it doesn't help either that it's just not available to watch anywhere unless you have a cable subscription, um, which nobody this day and age really has. Um, luckily <laughs> Alan, there was a free Alan service called Lowcast every year. that I could hop on. <laughs> What's that? I said Alan says this every year because he refuses I, to go I get old-fashioned rabbit ears. I do. I do he's, say this every year. I mean, you are you are correct. I can go and grab myself a pair of rabbit ears. He's too tech-savvy. But but you're right. You're right. Because I tried watching the full thing and I just simply couldn't watch a replay of it, mm -hmm. which is very frustrating. Right. That's also a big thing, too, is that, uh, you know... It airs once and it can be kind of hard to get your hands on after the fact. Like it's not like a like Impossible. if they were to stream it on YouTube, you know, they have the option to have people just come back and watch it later in full. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. And they're not streaming it on any platform outside of ABC Live, if you have or Hulu or uh, or Hulu plus TV plus live TV or YouTube TV or things of that nature. You can watch it there. Um, yeah, I don't know if you can rewind it or whatever, but no, there are options that are made it a bit more available, I guess. Um, but it's not fully available for people to watch it without having to shell out sixty five dollars a year <laughs> for a cable subscription to ABC. Um, so I feel like if they want to make their award show accessible, then streaming on a fleet uh, on a free platform. Um, that's just those are just my thoughts. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. So let's go ahead, jump into the nominees and the winners. And you are going to, oh dear, we've got some stuff to talk about. Because some of these mm -hmm. I'm like happy and some I, I'm just whatever, I'm over it. But we're going to get there. So we're going to go in order of how they announced it last night. So I'm curious how that'll go, how we'll talk about that. So what's the first one, Alan? So the first one is um, best original screenplay, and our winner that was the is first promising one? young woman. That's the that was the one they opened with. Yep, you're kidding! Wow. So yeah, it was promising promising young woman for me personally. Mm -hmm. That was my um, last choice to win original screenplay. Um, for me, that was that was mostly a surprise. Um, I think. The screenplay is, what do you want to call it? Culturally relevant, the topic, the whole Me Too movement. That's yep. kind of what this is about. Yep. So I felt like 
I didn't think the screenplay was anything special. I think it kind of won based on those merits. My personal pick yeah. for original screenplay was Sound of Metal. Yeah, actually, you and I um, are exactly on the same plane for at least this one, because I had Promising Young Woman as my last pick, mm-hmm. and my what I would like to have win, won would have been also Sound of Metal. I was my number one. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty much with you. Um, Promising Young Woman is definitely culturally relevant, and which is, and this is kind of, a, I guess, a theme of the Oscars um, as well, which is nothing, I guess, new. But this year, it feels like if it's not about, like, you know, um, something to do with race or something or something to do uh, in this case with, you know, the Me Too movement, then it's also just a random film almost. Um, but yeah, opening with best original screenplay and giving it to Promising Young Woman is is strange, which again, <laughs> as we've been talking about, is almost like a theme of this year's Oscars by, yeah. you know, by no means on purpose either. Oh, sure. Okay, what is next? After that, they did Adapted Screenplay, which did go to The Father. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I was very happy about that. Um, that was my number one pick. Uh, so happy to see uh, Florian Zeller get win the Oscar and see what else, and Christopher Hampton, of course, and just excited to see what Zeller can do in the future. So that winning screenplay, I was very happy. Yeah, same here. I was wanting The Father to win, and it did win. Um, this was a, a great, great film. Uh, mm-hmm. so I think it definitely deserves the best adapted screenplay Oscar. Um, what was, I, I, I kind of know what your, I, I think I know what your last pick was going to be, but what is your last pick Corbin? Yeah, this shouldn't come as any surprise, especially if you read my reviews for all of the Oscars this year, me and Alan, both on letterbox would put something and you could definitely see our rating. So my last pick was, mm-hmm. uh, Borat too. Yeah. Same here. That I Same found here. that to be utterly ridiculous. It was even nominated. Um, personally, I don't quite see why Nomadland was nominated for screenplay, considering there's just not much put on the page. Um, I thought One Night in Miami was a serious contender. Um, the White Tiger came in at three for me, kind of just right there in the middle. Yep. I had um, Borat 2 as the last one, too, so... After the father, I, I actually had Nomadland as my second pick because um, I actually didn't quite liked that screenplay. Um, but White Tiger number three, would not Miami at number four? Although those could kind of go either way for me. And then yeah, like I said, Borat two at number five. Mm-hmm. So after that, they went into best international film, which went oh. to another round. Yeah, I was happy i was very happy about that um that was my number one pick um and vinterberg's speech was touching he talked about how his daughter passed away like during filming or something or she was going to be in the movie and he was he was really grateful for it um i liked his speech a lot liked what he had to say so another round was my first pick with um better days coming in second now just up front i did not get to see collective the man who sold a skin or Quo Vadis Ida. I got to know, Alan, what, what did you, th- what was your like one through five with those? So my one through five, um, when I, so better days was the first foreign film that I had watched in this category. And at the time it was my number one in this category. And mm-hmm. cause I, I absolutely love that film. Um, now that I've seen all the rest of them, 
Uh, it's kind of between those two, between Better Days and Another Round. And I think I would ultimately give it to Another Round um, the more I think about it. So Another Round was my number one. But of course, number two, real close number two with Better Days. Number mm-hmm. three was The Man Who Sold His Skin. Um, really? I would love to know your thoughts on that one, Corbin, because I thought that one was really interesting. Okay. Um, my number four was Quan Vida, Quan Vida. I don't know how you say this. Quo <laughs> Vadis Ida. Yeah. Which is also really good too. And then number five for me was Collective. Um, I thought Collective was going to get this. I thought really? Collective was going to go for this one and for Documentary um, because it was nominated for both. So I thought yeah. that it had a, you know, I thought that, you know, it had some kind of standing there, but it ultimately went to another round, which I was a little bit surprised by, but think that it deserves it nonetheless. Yeah, I if I was going to really try and get Kovadis Ida in because it has a 97 Metascore, which yeah. is a higher Metascore than Nomadland. So I was that's the one that I was really curious about actually seeing. Um, but they're both on Hulu, so I'm really going to try and check those out soon and see see if my opinion changes. But it's interesting. So the next award goes to actor in a supporting role, which went to. Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, Daniel Kaluuya winning was I was really happy about that. I really thought it was I thought it was mostly between um Kaluuya and Paul Racy for Sound of Metal. I would have been very happy if um Paul Racy would have won as well, but Kaluuya was he was so fantastic in as his role. Uh it was I was really surprised. He thanked God. I thought that was cool to hear. And he was like one of a couple other people that did that as well. So his speech was really kind of funny, but really grateful. Um, just straight up, just glad he won the award and he really deserved it. Now, for me, I thought that Daniel Kaluuya, um, I, I felt like there, you know, this award kind of deserved to go to him because I didn't see Daniel Kaluuya on screen. Uh, I saw, you know, I saw somebody completely different um, from his performance. Um, so I absolutely believe that, you know, he deserved this award. I'm glad that he got it because he completely transformed during uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, Paul Racy from Santa Meadow and Lakeith Stanfield from Judas and the Black Messiah as well. Um, they also did really, really well. So even if it had gone to them, I wouldn't have been very I wouldn't have been mad about that. But definitely Daniel Kaluuya is to me by far the standout of everybody else here. Um it's also interesting to me that Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are two nominations for Judas and the Black Messiah, but they're both under a supporting role, but there are no nominations for Judas and the Black Messiah uh, for actor in a leading role. I just found that kind of interesting. I found that interesting also. I really thought Daniel, I originally in the predictions, I predicted he would be nominated for best actor, but I guess because him and Lakeith Stanfield share almost equal amounts of screen time, they're mm-hmm. considered supporting. It doesn't, it, it kind of doesn't make any sense, but in some ways it does. But nevertheless, I'm just happy that he won because he absolutely deserved it. Right. I think that there might be rules that, you know, you could only have uh, for like a lead role, you could only have like uh, one nomination um, for like yeah. for each category, actor and actress, not to I like a so. supporting role. Um, my guess is that's probably why that's the case. But I don't know. Yeah. No, you're probably right. So the next award after that was makeup and hairstyling. That's that went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. 
All right, so this was actually my third pick. I didn't, honestly, I didn't think there was really much special about it. I was going to give it to Hillbilly Elegy for how they transformed Glenn Close into the grandma. I thought it was really astounding. Um, I, I don't think there was really much special about Emma. Um, Mink was perfectly fine. But yeah, Ma Rainey, I, yeah, I, it's okay for makeup and hairstyling. Um, their, their speech really didn't make any sense to me, talking about how they broke the glass ceiling that night. So, and then they were talking about uh trans people and native americans being up there it didn't make any sense i was just kind of like okay who knows but what what was your pick alan so my pick um this was kind of a toss-up for me i didn't know if i should give it to hillbilly elegy ma rainey or mank i feel like if it went to you know either one of those i would have been fine with it and it went to ma rainey so i was okay with it i think that they did a pretty good job with the makeup on that um, mm. I, I guess I would have preferred Mank or Hillbilly Elegy um, because you do get to see some makeup in those movies that looks pretty outstanding, mostly with Hillbilly Elegy and Glenn Close, um, making her look exactly like the grandma from the actual story. So um, I'm, I'm OK with this. Um, it doesn't hurt me either way. I think that, you know, out of those three that I mentioned, if they won, they, I would have been OK with it. Emma and Pinocchio. Um, I did see Pinocchio. It's interesting uh, i think the makeup is good but also at times interesting and emma emma's okay for best makeup i would i can see it more for best costume design um best makeup eh, for me so i did not get to see pinocchio actually um i already spent i don't know quite a bit of money on rentals over 30 dollars on rentals alone um so I didn't get to see Pinocchio, uh, but from the images I saw, it looked very interesting. It looked fine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's in, it is definitely better makeup than what you normally see, but, you know, uh, it only goes so far, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, after that was costume design, which also went to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. That's right. It did go there, and I thought the costumes were actually very well done, Um I ultimately gave it to Mank, um, Trish Somerville. It, I don't know if it's just the entirety of the production design just brought in the authenticity just more for me than seeing Ma Rainey like in color. Costumes were great in that. That was my second pick. Mm -hmm. uh, Mank was first. Um, uh, Anne Roth wasn't there, so it was accepted by Don Cheadle on her behalf or the Academy technically. Yeah, I... Would have liked to give it to Mank, um, but I'm with you on Mal Rainey. I'm I'm okay with it. There are there's some definitely really good looking costumes in that movie. Um, this is one where right after Mal Rainey, I would have also given it to Emma. Um, I felt like Emma did, uh, aside from makeup, did have really good costume design. Um, Mulan and Pinocchio. Um, eh, not not. I mean, I, I will <laughs> say that I think Pinocchio does have good costume design. Um, Mulan, sure, I think all these have fine costume design, but definitely Mank or Ma Rainey for me would have been the big winners. And it went to Ma Rainey, and I think it definitely deserves it. So after that, uh, they went right into Best Director, which went to Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And this is also the point where I finally was able to join and watch the Oscars from here on out. So those first few awards I missed, but from here on out, I was, I was, actually, be, I was actually able to watch the Oscars live. So yeah, as I said, Best Director, Winner was Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. 
Yeah, she was my fourth pick. Um, I thought it was interesting. I learned she grew up in China and I like that she talked about the goodness in people. I thought her speech was okay, short and sweet. Um, I actually wanted it to go to Thomas Vinterberg. Um, I understand he was the complete underdog. There really was probably no chance of him winning for director, but there was just something about it. I wanted it to go to him. Um, I also really think uh, Florian Zeller should have been in that category for directing The Father. I think that's really strange he didn't get a nomination. Um, I think he, Florian should have been in there. Emerald Fennell probably shouldn't have been in there. She was my last pick anyway. Um, but yeah, my top three, um, Lee Isaac Chung. I had him second for Minari with David Fincher coming in third for Mank. I don't know how I feel. I guess I guess I'm okay with Chloe Zhao winning because she did like write, direct, and edited the film. So that's a lot. That's impressive to do all of that. Yeah, for me, um, I would have loved to also have given it to another round. Um, Nomad Lane was my number four for as I think as well. Um, so oh, I guess really? what we differ wow. is I uh, had Mank up my number two and Minari in my number three. Um, but honestly, yeah. those three, again, those are all toss-ups. I could really be okay with any of them taking it. Um, but I'm, I'm also still kind of okay with Nomadland taking it as well, because I also did really enjoy that film and thought it was really unique and interesting compared to a lot of other things on, a lot of other things on this list. Promising Young Woman, um, I don't really see Best Director personally for this one. Um, mm. I didn't think it was super great. Um, uh, for directing, I, I, don't, I didn't really see it. So those are just my thoughts, I guess. But after Best Director, they went into Sound, which the winner there was Sound of Metal. Oh, yeah. And if it if Sound of Metal didn't win, I was going to be utterly flabbergasted. I really didn't think there was much competition um, in the way mm -hmm. of Sound of Metal. That was my number one pick. Um, I thought Mank maybe had a shot because they really did some what I would say some kind of weird stuff with sound to make it sound like this movie was actually recorded in like the thirties or forties. The sound was really interesting. Um, you could tell the competition wasn't crazy because news of the world was mm -hmm. in there for sound. And I don't think that thing movie did anything special. Um, Greyhound was okay. And soul didn't make an impact on me with sound. Um, yeah, this, I thought the speech was boring. It was just a remote guy. I didn't catch a word of what he said. I just tuned it out. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I wanted Sound of Meadow to win, and I'm glad that it did win because I, I think you're right. It is hardly, a, it feels like it's hardly a competition for this category. Um, yeah. I could see Mank getting it as well. I could, I could also see Soul getting it as well, but News of the World, and I don't see why that's in this category. Um in fact, it's in a number of categories, and, and we'll get to them, but I, I don't really see it. Um, Greyhound was also okay. So, yeah, Sonomino <laughs> was my number one, and then Mank, and then Soul, Greyhound, and then News of the World at number five. So next is Live Action Short, which the winner was Two Distant Strangers. Oh, yeah. Well, this one was absolutely no surprise. Mm -hmm. This is... At least if you tune into major news networks or all these Hollywood people, this is pretty much all they're talking about now. All the political stuff is talking about this now 
is how I, th I personally, I thought it was uh, pretty disgusting. I don't think a lot of good police officers would feel very good about this or very happy about this because it makes them look like uh, basically serial killers, <laughs> um, just complete psychos. So, and yeah, was, this one was another very highly political one. The uh, guy gave, came with a speech and said, please kill um, three people every day, something like that. Right. Um, I did not like it at all. I thought it was pretty twisted. So not for me. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of Two Distant Strangers. It wasn't my number five. Um, aside from, you know, the political standpoint, I found it just a short film uh, to be not great. Um, no. It's definitely one that takes a little bit too much off of Groundhog Day. And I get like, you know, that's the, like the point, right? The point is for it to be a Groundhog Day that like never really ends per se. Um, so, but at the same time, I never really found it to be anything unique Unlike, I felt like everything else on this list has something that I felt that was a bit more unique to it. Um, two distant strangers, definitely not for me. Um, my number one was wide eye. I surprisingly really enjoyed wide eye, um, compared to everything else on this list. That one was, was my number one. This, this wasn't super great. I felt, um, even the letter room with, which had Oscar Isaac in it. Um, I didn't think was really all that great when it was all said and done. Um, <laughs> but why I for me was the standout of everything on this list. That was my number one. I did not get to finish. I only saw the present, which was definitely anti-Israel. It was made by Palestine. So it makes sense. Yeah. Um, feeling through, I did not get a finish, but I liked what I saw. I, have, I don't know if it has a bad ending or not. Um, I did not get to see The Letter Room with Oscar Isaac or Wide Eye, so I'm going to have to go back and check those out. So after, but after short film live action, they did short film animated, which ended up going to If Anything Happens, I Love You. Yeah, not for me. Uh, I found it to be fairly forced emotionally. I found it to just be kind of generic. That was my last pick. Mm -hmm. um, I think this was kind of another political one because they're talking about how 100 people die by gun violence every day and we deserve to live in a better country where that doesn't happen. That right. statistic is highly general. It's just extremely general. Um, so I don't know, do your own research on that one. But for me, my number one pick was yes, people. I thought that was just really fun. Um, I thought um genius loki was my second pick because it was super creative but uh, almost mm -hmm. a little too abstract for me um opera was very fascinating uh not my cup of tea and burrow was just super meh super who cares shouldn't even probably been nominated yeah i if anything happens i love you was kind of right in the middle of the road for me um I wasn't a very big fan of Yes People. That was ended up being my number five. Um, but Genius <laughs> Loki was my number one. I loved okay. Genius Loki. Um, that one I really, really enjoyed. I think it's because it was the, also the most unique out of every other pick um, for best animated feature or best animated short film. Um, yeah. That's why I ended up liking it as much is because it is just so unique. Um, Bro was fine. Opera I thought was interesting and also also at the same time kind of cool because it's so detail oriented mm -hmm. um none of these are necessarily really bad i don't think um 
my exception being I wasn't a big, very big fan of Yes People, but Genius Loki for me was my number one. I really enjoyed Genius Loki. Mm-hmm. But after that, after they did uh, animated short, they did animated feature, which I guess is no surprise, went to Soul. Oh, yeah. So for me, I just wanted to see Wolfwalkers win because it was hand-drawn 2D animation and... Mm-hmm. We almost get never get 2D films anymore, it seems like, and they definitely don't win. 3D animation is all the rage. Soul was my number two pick, but for me, it really was just right down the middle. Um, Soul, I'm, I'm very happy Soul won because that was a movie that is actually fairly deep for an animated family film. It actually affirms that people are made for a specific reason that we are all special and we all have a purpose. Um, I thought it was really creative. I really enjoyed um, Soul and Pete Doctor who did it. He's an awesome person. He's a Christian and he's just seems like an overall great guy. So very happy Soul won. Yeah, I was okay with Soul winning. Um, I would have liked to, I would have liked Wolfwalkers to walk away with it, but I knew deep down i knew that it was going to go to either soul or somehow go to onward because disney always wins the best animated feature um i don't think there's ever been a year that it hasn't won unless it's against itself so um yeah i would have liked wolf walkers to, to walk away with it because i think wolf walkers is not only a good film especially now that we have something that's animated hand-drawn animated which like you said you don't really get very often um but it's also just a really fun and good story i felt um, but I'm okay with Soul winning. Um, I w- I did like Soul. Uh, I think that it kind of gets more to the Pixar check the boxes uh, kind of story, but it is still a, a good movie um, nonetheless. Onward, Over the Moon, and Shaun the Sheep, I didn't think had really much of a chance of winning. Um, I didn't really want any of them. I didn't think that they really deserved it either. Honestly, I thought that it was going to be either between Soul and Wolfwalkers, and given the track record, I knew it was going to go to Soul just anyways. Yeah, I agree. Next is documentary short subject, which went to Colette. I did not get to see any of these. All I know is that it's it was Colette's birthday on that day, which is pretty cool. Okay, so for me, I felt Colette was the best out of all of these, um, which is interesting because um, Do Not Split um, is about the Hong Kong protests. Uh, Love Song for Letitia or Latasha. Oh, I did see that one. Sorry. You did see that one? I did. I thought it was just kind of boring. I I thought it was nice little tribute, but uh, I don't know. I just had no connection to it. Yeah. I I thought that the Academy would end up going for that one, but they end up not, which is a bit of a bit of a surprise to me. Um, that way, yeah, I'm with you. That one was, I thought it was fine. Um, it is a nice tribute. I didn't think it was anything, you know, super fantastic. Um, Hunger Ward is really, um, that one's a pretty, that's a pretty big eye opener. Um, it's definitely one that's kind of hard to watch, um, especially if you don't like uh, kids in not so great situations. Mm. And then a concerto is a conversation. This one was on the bottom of my list. I didn't think this one, I don't, I didn't really see why this one was on the documentary short subject, um, Oscar lists, at least to me. Mm. Um, it's literally just a conversation between a, a grandson and a grandfather and about the successes of his grandson um, amidst what the world tells him. I, I didn't think it was anything super crazy. Um, I, I didn't understand why it was on the list. But yeah, that was my, that was my last pick. 
I liked that Colette one. It was my favorite in it one. And I was happy about that because I felt that one was definitely of all of these. That one was definitely the one that um, I felt I, I walked away with the most knowledge or understood and picked up the most from that. Well, after documentary short subject was documentary feature, which went to my octopus teacher. So I did not get to see any of these. The one I was most intrigued to see was the mole agent. Um, so the speech, I can talk about the speech. I thought it was pretty boring. Um, one of the quotes was a glimpse at a different relationship between human beings and the natural world. Take from that what you will. Alan has seen it. I've heard really weird things about this one that this guy's relationship with the octopus is borderline inappropriate, if not inappropriate for a human being to have that kind of a relationship with an animal. I don't know. I haven't seen it. I, I never wanted to see it. It didn't sound interesting to me at all. I can say that um, I, I don't think it really I don't think it ever gets down to the inappropriate level um, for the movie at all. I don't even think that they were necessarily going for that. Um, but it, it does kind of, you know, it is kind of a lead into, you know, kind of make fun of it real easy about a man who just kind of falls in love with an octopus. That's not really how, what the movie's about. It's about a man who like kind of develops a somewhat of a, um, of a nature relationship with an octopus, um, hmm. to a point where the octopus would, like recognize him and stuff. So I didn't find it to be necessarily inappropriate, but definitely one that was on the bottom of my list. I don't understand why this one's here. Um, I didn't think this was very good at all, uh, to be quite honest with you. I thought this one, of all the other documentaries, um, Collective, which I thought was going to win um, um, because of the subject matter and because I thought that, you know, oh, it's also in for best foreign film. Um, I was surprised that it didn't go to it. Or Crip Camp, I thought that one would also could walk away with it. Um, I don't get why my octopus teacher walked away with it. I It's got some really high scores and I don't understand it. Um, I didn't think it was very good at all. Honestly, I thought it was kind of a waste of time personally. <laughs> then I'm never going to watch it. <laughs> Honestly, I would love for you to see it. I no. want to know what you think. <laughs> it's only an hour and something. It's not super long. It's like an hour and 20 something minutes. Uh, it's pretty short. I can't promise anything. <laughs> it just doesn't sound good. Uh, yeah. But you were going to say something about time. Yeah. My, my number one was time. I thought time was really interesting. It's somewhat experimental. Um, it's about, um, this couple, this couple who have children, they are hard pressed for money. I think that they're Christians as far as I, as far as what's portrayed in the film. Mm. Um, they are short time money. They make a really bad decision and it ends up landing the father in jail. Oh. And it's about trying to get him, you know, trying to get to a, some kind of appeal to get him out of jail so he can also then father their children. Um, but of course, it takes place over a number of years. Oh, wow. I thought it was really good, to be honest with you. I think, I think, Corbin, I think you'll really enjoy it if you haven't okay. seen it yet. Um, I highly enjoyed time. Okay. Uh, you've got me interested now. I didn't know really anything about it. Um, from the surface, it, I was worried it was just going to be like completely like political or just trying to push a message, but it sounds like that's not really the case. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that like relates to kind of what's been happening, of course, in the past uh, year or so. Mm -hmm. Like that's definitely there, okay. right? But it's definitely not something that's like, you know, so in your face about like, this is what it's about. It's more like, you know, you know, it's a black man who gets put in jail because he did something bad. Mm. But, it, you know, they need somebody to father their children and all kinds of stuff. So uh, I think you'll really enjoy it, Corbin. Okay. I, 
I found it to be very interesting and it felt like it kind of went kind of right down your alley. So I would say for you, um, definitely check it out. I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm very curious. Um, did you say what you thought of the mole agent? I really want to know what you thought of that. I did see the mole agent. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's definitely a weird one. Um, it, it does not have the typical documentary vibe to it. Um, okay. Yeah. I thought it like was it. pretty good. I, I, I ended up kind of liking it at the end of the day. Mm. But after documentary feature was visual effects, which went to Tenet. This one made complete sense to me. That was my number one pick. Um, and it was cool because um, Scott Fisher's dad won the same award. Um, yeah, this year I thought um, it really didn't have much competition. I would have loved to have seen like Dune and Tenet go up against each other because clearly I haven't seen right. Dune. But um, from the footage I have seen, that looks like we're probably going to be seeing that at the Os the next Oscars. Um, my number one pick, my, excuse me, my number two pick was The Midnight Sky, I guess. I mean, I don't think any of these really deserve to be here except for Tenant. Um, mm -hmm. Mulan, I don't know why I was there. Love and Monsters, while I love that movie, the visual effects were pretty mediocre. And the one and only Ivan's visual effects were just not great, especially for Disney. So... To me, it really wasn't a competition. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I thought maybe Love and Monsters had something. I didn't really see the Midnight Sky going up against it. Um, I thought maybe the one and only Ivan could take it. <laughs> um, maybe, but I knew deep down it was probably going to be Tenet because that's, I honestly, of all the ones that have visual effects, every other one here except for Tenet uses, um, is like a, almost like a CGI fest at moments. Um, Tenet definitely always, as Christopher Nolan usually does, is always, or at least as much as he can, does practical visual effects with some CG touch-up if he needs to. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Tenet deserved it. I'm glad I walked away with it um, because it definitely is the one that is the most standout of everything else on this list. To me, Midnight Sky is, and maybe a little bit of Mulan, but mostly just Midnight Sky on its own, feels just very generic Hollywood when it comes to like, you know, showing off its visual effects. I didn't see why it was on this list at all, to be completely honest with you. Um, but maybe that's just because I was completely bored for the entire <laughs> runtime. Um, that could be the case. Yeah, it wasn't great, but that's a story for another time. Yeah. Yeah. So the next award was actress in a supporting role, which went to, oh man, uh, uh, Yu Jun Yoon, I think is how you say her name, who played for Minari. She was a grandma from Minari. Yeah, and she even kind of made fun of that in the speech was how nobody can like really pronounce her name correctly, but everybody was forgiven. That was actually my favorite speech of the night. Um, she mm -hmm. was my number one pick for supporting actress. The speech was just downright, downright hilarious how she talked about how it was nice to meet Brad Pitt. It was so funny. Um, I really thought it was her, uh, to Glenn Close, I thought was okay, but then like once her full performance was done and I saw how much she like transformed into the grandma, she was my second pick. Um, Olivia Coleman gave a very emotionally engaging performance, but she was three. Maria Bakalova shouldn't have been on here. And honestly, I don't think Amanda Seyfried should have been on here either. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um. Olivia Coleman was my number one, but it was Olivia Coleman, Glenn Close, and a Jung Jun. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know I'm betraying that. But those three, it was it, it was 
those three where I felt like, you know, okay, if one of you, if any one of these were were to win, I'd be okay with it. So I'm glad that she won for Minari. I do think that she deserves it because she does do a very good job. And you're right. Her speech was also really funny. Um, and I'm kind of glad that, you know, you know, it, 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 it's one of those things where you just kind of get a bit more humanity out of what people do when they go up on stage because she didn't really have much planned at all. And she just kind of rambled and it ended up being really funny because she just kind of kept going and stuff. So yeah, no, it was a good speech. Um, I'm glad that she got it because she definitely deserves it. So yeah, I'm glad that she got Best Supporting Actress for Minari. So after Best Supporting Actress was Production Design. Um, again, I don't really know why they skipped actress or skipped from visual effects to actress and then production design. But yeah, production design was next, which went to Mank. Yeah. Um, I'm Mank, not sure how much of a surprise that is. There's no surprise. Mank totally deserved it. I thought it was my number one pick. Um, it was a short speech, short and sweet, the way I like it. So this uh, speech was good and Mank deserved it in my book. Yeah, I am with you. Um, no surprise here. Um, I would have liked for Tenet to also go along with it, but I felt like because of what Mank did, um, you know, I don't think that there was much competition. Um, so my, my big three were Mank, the father and Tenet. Those three I felt, you know, could walk away with it. But deep down, of course, I knew Mank would probably win. I could probably see Mal Rainey walking away with it. Um, News of the World, maybe. Um, but I wouldn't be very happy about it if no. it did. Yeah, I would have not so. been happy with News of the World, which, by the way, um, it went home empty-handed. It did not mm -hmm. win any of its stuff. Um, it was nominated for four nominations, went home empty-handed, no surprise there. Ma Rainey looked artificial to me, so it was my number fourth. Um, I thought Tenet had a shot with number two, the father at number three, because uh, the apartment and the way they utilized it, I thought was good. It made sense mm -hmm. why it got nominated, but yeah, um, those last two weren't it for me. Right. All right. Well, we're getting kind of into the bigger ones now. Um, mm -hmm. Cinematography went to Eric Messerschmidt for Mank. That I'm was not sure how much of a surprise this is, but. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so it's no surprise. It's no surprise. I had him as my number one, and it was just a straight up thank you speech. It was funny because if you looked at um, Fidan Papa Michael, who did the trial of the Chicago Seven, go back and watch his face. He was shocked, uh, and it was hilarious mm -hmm. to see his um, shocked expression. But no surprise, Mink for me deserved it. I did see maybe Judas and the Black Messiah getting it, but. Um, no, it was Mank. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I had this as my number one. Um, and I'm glad that I walked away with it. It deserves it. Uh, my number two was Juice and the Black Messiah, followed by Nomadland, then Child of Chicago 7, and then, of course, last, News of the World. Again, that's a, a, a kind of a strange pick for me. Where's Tenant on this list um, instead of News <laughs> of the World? Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I'm glad Mank went, went away, walked away with it. Um, it definitely deserves it. That film is gorgeously shot. And, of course, it's just a gorgeous film all around with production design and what have you and costumes. So, yeah, no, I'm okay with this. I'm definitely okay with this. It definitely deserves it. I would have been okay with Juice and the Black Messiah or No Bad Land walking away with it. Um, no Bad Land, not as much as Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, but everything on this list, with the exception of News of the World, which should have been Tenet, um, I think 
is definitely a worthy contender. I had a feeling that Mink was probably your number one, especially because A, it's black and white, which might feel like a little bit of redemption for the lighthouse not getting it last year. And, yeah. um, but I had a feeling that you, um, Nomadland would have been a little higher on your list. So I was surprised that it was, you had Judas and the Black Messiah before Nomadland, but Nomadland was my last pick. I thought, um, some of the visuals were very, made me feel like I was there, but I really didn't think it was anything groundbreaking. Well, after cinematography went, they went into film editing, uh, which went to Mikko E.G. Nielsen for Sound of Metal. <clears throat> this was a big surprise for me. Um, I really thought the father was a shoe in, but mm -hmm. um, I, honestly, Yorgo Scott, uh, he missed he missed out. I really think it should have been the father. The editing was just mind blowing. It was key to how that film makes you feel and how it even portrays these characters. Um, you know, the sound of metal editing was good on second thought. It actually should have been my um, second pick. For some reason, I put Trial of the Chicago 7 as my second pick, which the more I thought about it, the more it just felt like just kind of generic editing that I, I wasn't crazy about. It's been a while since I've seen it. But I did like the editing for um, Sound of Metal, and it was a really great thankful speech. Yeah, I had The Father was my number one. I think you pretty much said it exactly how I, how I think it too. Um, the editing is like key for that film um, to really portray what it's trying to go for. Um, but Sound of Metal out of editing was actually my number two. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Again, a fantastic film, both of them are. And so I'm okay with Sound of Metal walking away with it. I guess I had Nomadland number, Nomad number three. Um, it, I think I'm okay with that. Um, and if it walked away with it, I probably would have been fine with it. Um, Trial of the Chicago 7 I thought was really well edited um, but definitely I, I had Promising Young Woman uh, as my last pick here um, again I wasn't I didn't think that that one really is, belonged here it was my last pick um, it had no reason being on this list <laughs> yeah yeah so after film editing was music original score which went to Trent Reznor Atticus Ross and John Batiste for Soul okay I'll be honest uh, this year, I didn't like sit down and just listen to all of these straight through. I tried to listen and see how it made me feel while watching the movies. Um, to be honest, I just don't think any of these scores were really incredible outside of Soul and Minari. Um, this was probably my second favorite speech, though, how we talked about how God created 12 notes. And this music comes from the divine. This moment is a culmination of a series of miracles. Just a really uplifting speech, I thought. But, Alan, did you listen to all these scores? I did. I did listen to all these scores. Um, Soul is definitely a great one, especially when it gets to its more, when it, especially when it gets to its jazz sections, which were written and I think composed by John Batiste. Those are my absolute favorites of the entire soundtrack. Everything else from Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is good, um, but I definitely really like the stuff from John Batiste. Um, I I think I gave it to Best Search of Score. I wanted to give it to Mank. Oh, um, really? That one, I, I kind of, it was a toss-up. It was either, should I give it to Mank or should I give it to Soul? And <laughs> it's composed I think by the that, same people. <laughs> you're right. It is composed by the same people. 
Um, then the reason why I was kind of like between the two of them is I eventually came down to if I was going to listen to a score on its own more often, like one that I pick up and listen to all the way through, which one would it be? Which one would it more likely to be? And I had to go with Mank. Um, they are similar in a lot of ways. Um, but I think Mank as an overall package is better as a standalone score. But yeah, everything else, everything here is pretty good. Um, except for, I didn't think that the five bloods was really good at all. And I thought that news of the world started off fine, um, but became more of just generic as the, as the soundtrack went on. Yeah, it was. Um, Minari was also great. I would have been okay with soul Mank, or Minari walking away with this. Um, and either of those would have been totally fine with me. The Five Bloods and News of the World, I was not a fan of either of those at all. So keeping with music, uh, Best Original Song was next with Fight For You winning from Judas and the Black Messiah. I know we have a different opinion on probably what should have won. I was just gunning for Husavik. That song for me is emotional, believe it or not. I like every time I listen to it, I start to get like a little teary eyed. I don't know why, but you know, Fight For You is my number four. I really thought that song was just okay. Not as bad as Hear My Voice from Trial of Chicago 7, which was not good at all. Uh, but once again, she thanked God in her speech, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, um, The Life Ahead was my number, uh, I don't know what it is, EOC was my number two. I thought that was pretty good. But Husavik was, uh, was my number one. This one was another year where I didn't really know what to give it to. Um, luckily, this year, I liked the songs more than I have in years past. Usually in years past, I could really care less about any of the original songs because I never really find them to be very good. Um, I reluctantly, in my, in, my, in my spreadsheet here, I have it as uh, uh, EOC, or seeing the one from Life Ahead, as one with a question mark. Um, yeah. It was either that one or, honestly, I would say Fight For You. Um, those are the two that I think I would probably go for. Um, all of these, to me, are pretty close. Uh, I kind of came down to if it was outside of the film, kind of like with uh, Best Score, if it was outside of the film, which one I, would I be more likely to listen to? Um, I usually like stuff that's a bit more unique, so IOC um, was... It felt like it was a bit more unique than the rest of them here. Um <sighs> Husevik was actually my last one. Um, personally, I found that one to be in kind of like the film itself, a bit more, bit more generic than I would have, I would have liked. I guess a bit more poppy. I guess is a better way of putting it. Um, I think that it is pretty cool that they do sing in Icelandic there uh, for the second half of the, the chorus. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you also get to hear Will Ferrell sing too. But yeah, I again this year I wasn't a super big fan of any of these songs. Um, none of them really made too much of an impression on me. All right, well, I guess we can make a decision here, Corbin. Do you want to talk about Best Picture now, or do you want to wait till later? Because after Best Original Song, it went straight into Best Picture. I cannot believe they did that. What a fatal choice that we are not going to make. We are going to save the best for last. All right, so after Original Song would have been Best Picture, but we're going to skip to Best Actress in a Leading Role for now. Um, which went to Francis McDormand for Nomadland. Okay. I personally found this to be ridiculous. Francis McDormand was my last choice. Honestly, at this point, this kind of frustrated me. I feel like I'm I'm over her. I thought she really deserved for three billboards. She did great. I just when I watched this movie, I didn't see and 
this is something she calls out later is I didn't see Fern. I just saw Fran. I didn't see much of an acting role here uh, that was anything really different. So, I, you know, and her speech was really weird. She said, we know the sword is our work. I like work. Thanks for knowing this. And that was her speech. It was weird. Yeah. I just thought this choice was ridiculous. Um, for me, it was Vanessa Kirby all the way for Pieces of a Woman. She showed so much more emotional range, so far, way more compelling than Frances McDormand. Um, Carrie Mulligan was my second for Promising Young Woman. Yeah, I'm with you. I would have loved for Vanessa Kirby to win for Pieces of a Woman. Um, I think she definitely deserved it. Of all of the um, roles here, that one I felt just makes is the most stand out to me. And maybe that's because of her story that she goes through and how accurate she or at least how powerful she portrays those emotions. Absolutely. Um, my number two was Viola Davis from Ma Rainey. That was another one where I didn't really see Viola Davis. In fact, I didn't really know it was Viola Davis until about halfway into the film um, <laughs> because it is such a transformative role. Yeah, it is. Um my number three was actually Frances McDormand. I thought that she did do a good job in uh, Nomadland, but I think that you're right, Corbin. Um, that was a role where, while well, I thought that she did a good job, I could not see Frances McDormand in that role. Um, that's one where, yeah, it's definitely Fran, not Fern, that I'm that I'm seeing on the screen. <laughs> but I do think that she did a good job. Yeah, Carrie Mulligan and Andre Day didn't really impress me. Um, I think that they both did, you know, equally fine, but uh, they didn't really leave too much of a lasting impression on me, to be completely honest. Nope, totally agree. Andre Day uh, was not, I thought she was okay. Yeah. I think <laughs> that she shows a lot of promise. I think this is one of, I think it's like her, one of her big first big roles or something. Um, it's the first I've seen her. I think she does show promise too. Viola Davis was my third. She was pretty great in that role, but Vanessa Kirby really got snubbed. And we both agreed pieces of a woman just in general got snubbed for some reason. So the last award given for the night, but the second to last for us went to, was for Best actor in a leading role, mm. which controversially went to Anthony <laughs> Hopkins for The Father. So, once I saw Chadwick Boseman, I thought he's a shoo-in because he did give, not just did he give a very powerful, emotional, gripping performance, but it mm -hmm. would also have been awarded posthumously, which is what happened with, um, crap, I'm drawing a blank on his, Heath Ledger. That's exactly what happened with Heath Ledger in The Joker is he won it posthumously. So I really thought, you know what, this would, yeah, this would be kind of a nice way to honor his career and especially going out on this performance. It made sense. But once I saw Anthony Hopkins in The Father, it's just, he just does better. He just gives a better performance, in my opinion, than Chadwick Boseman did. So, yeah, it was a weird way. It was very anticlimactic, but... Anthony Hopkins was my pick. He absolutely deserved it. And I was so happy that he won. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think my number one was Anthony Hopkins for The Father. But I honestly, I wouldn't have been sad um, if Chadwick Boseman walked away with it. Mm -mm. That's also the movie where like, I was looking at this actor, I was watching this film, and I was like, why does he look so familiar to me? And then I looked it up halfway in and I was like, oh, it's Chadwick Boseman. How did I miss <laughs> that? Yeah. Again, it's the, there were three big performances this year 
um, that were, to me, they were just complete standouts and also completely transformative for the actor or actresses um, that I didn't even realize who they really were until the end of the film or whatever. So, yeah, no, I would have been totally fine if Chadwick Boseman walked away with it. Um, I would have been fine with Anthony Hopkins, Riz Ahmed, and Chadwick Boseman. And really, anybody on this list, I thought, did a great job for each of the films that they're nominated in. But those three were the big ones for me. Um, so I'm glad that Anthony Hopkins went away with it because I think that he definitely deserves it. But so does Riz Ahmed, Chadwick Boseman, Gary Oldman, Stephen Wynn. Um, I think that they all, honestly, in my book, they are all great actors, did a great year, uh, had a great year and could have walked away with it. So yeah, people are not very happy that Chadwick didn't walk away with it because this is like his last year that he'll ever be in a film um, because this was filmed before, he, of course, he died. But yeah, I, I wonder how many people have actually seen Anthony Hopkins in The Father too. at the same token. Probably not many. Yeah, because this movie's kind of hard to get your hands on. <laughs> Unless you want to shell out 20 bucks for it. Yeah, and you know, I feel like I was just happy about it. It Like last year, Walking Phoenix won, which to me made absolute sense. The year before that, Rami Malek mm -hmm. won in Bohemian Rhapsody, which he did good. But to me, I really felt like Viggo Mortensen got snubbed or even Bradley Cooper got snubbed as well. So I feel like, at least in my opinion, they're on the right track that just makes sense to me with best actor in the past few years. Well, we finally made it. Um, we're kind of going back in time for how the Oscars <laughs> laid it out, but uh, best, picture best picture was not the last award, but it is for us, um, went to Nomadland. Um, I have to know your thoughts, Corbin. <laughs> what do you think about Nomadland walking away with best picture for the year 2020? So Nomadland winning was, in some ways it was not a surprise at all. Because there was just, I would say, personally, I would say a ridiculous amount of hype about this movie going into it, where it was winning almost literally every award on the face of the planet. Um, every award show, right. it was either sweeping, it was taking best picture, best actress, best director. People were talking about this like it's the next Godfather or something. It's the next Shawshank Redemption, it's that good. So I think that's probably kind of detrimental to a lot of people's viewing experience of Nomadland going in thinking it's like the next greatest film of all time because I think that's how it's been treated. There's, uh, my review's been up for a while. Alan has his review up. You can go see both of our scores on Letterboxd. It's no secret that we are totally divided on this movie. This is no parasite from last mm -hmm. year. Personally, I gave it a five out of 10. It's a, it's a not recommend. It's a mild not recommend. I did recommend other movies that I think have approached similar subject matters or have tried to achieve something similar, but I think have done a far better job. One of those being, um, Nebraska. I honestly can't remember the other ones. Go check out my review. Um, I just wasn't crazy about this movie at all. I really found it to be mostly boring. I didn't find it to be emotionally engaging. And I kind of found it to be, at least in my opinion, Alan's about to offer you a totally different opinion. But to me, this was kind of a situation where the emperor has no clothes. I just didn't find a whole lot with this movie. Whereas everybody was saying that there was just tons to latch on to here. It was that amazing. So it was no surprise because Chloe Zhao had already won Best Director. 
Usually that's an indicator of who's going of what's going to win best picture. That's usually a tip off. Now mm-hmm. that's not always the case. Um, like Gladiator won best picture. Really, Scott did not win best director, so it doesn't always happen. Francis McDormand winning for Nomad Land. I could see the way this was going. Um, to me, I was just like, whatever. Um, the speech was weird. I like how Chloe Zhao said, um, talked about reminding us what true kindness looks like. But then they had this wolf howl thing that was really weird. And then I thought it was hilarious when Chloe Zhao said, now I give you Fern. And Francis McDormand just kind of stomps up to the microphone and says, no, I'm not. I'm Fran. And I was like, what yeah. was that all about? And I, and I wrote in my notes, yeah, because you're playing yourself. Um, so personally, my ranking, I actually had Nomadland second to last. Um, my number one pick was The Father. I gave that a perfect 10 out of 10. Um, easily the best movie of this year. I will say so far, I, I know I'm going on for a while. I know they're about to play, play the music and play me off the stage. And <laughs> <laughs> it'll be Alistair in a minute. But um, just my rankings real quick for those of you who are curious. I feel like this was a pretty mediocre year just in general for Oscar movies. I thought some things were just... Uh, let, let me just go through it real quick. So, my second choice was Sound of Metal, which I gave 8 out of 10. My third choice was Judas and the Black Messiah, 8 out of 10. My fourth choice was Minari, 7 out of 10. Um, fifth choice was Trial of Chicago 7, which I'm not even that crazy about that movie, 7 out of 10. Um, sixth choice was Mank, 6 out of 10. Um, Nomadland, seventh choice, 5 out of 10. And Promising Young Woman was my last pick, which was also a 5 out of 10. Um, I think Nomadland is better, though. So, honestly, not happy about Best Picture. I'm not going to buy Nomadland and add it to the collection. For me, I just don't think it should have won. But, Alan, now that you have seen all of them, I know we've been... We've been teasing this conversation through text messages for a long time. <laughs> I got a note. Yes, yeah, we have. Now that you have seen all of them, what do you think? I am kind of okay with Nomadland <laughs> walking away with it. Um, okay. So when I but but you're not but you're not overjoyed is what you're saying. No, not like no, Parasite. No. Yeah, no, I'm not overjoyed like with Parasite. Parasite deserved to win. And it did win, rightfully so. Um, Nomadland, I think because it's going up against The Father, it's going up against Judas and the Black Messiah, it's going up against Minari and Mank and Sound of Metal. Those are some really great films this year that I could see almost all of those walking away with it. But you're right, it was kind of going down that route since it won Best Director, Best Actress, and now it wins Best Picture. Kind of no surprise there. I'm okay with it. Um, I don't know if it necessarily... I don't think I would have picked it for Best Picture. It would have either gone to The Father or Sound of Metal, um, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think it's. I think the film is really good, personally. I know that there are some people, like yourself, um, who are not very big fans of it, and I totally understand where they're coming from because this is a film where it's... You can really only... It's a film where it's going to serve two kinds of people. Either you're going to love it or you're just going to absolutely think it's completely boring. Um, And I could definitely see where you think it's completely boring. Um, I think that Nomadland is is a fine film. I think that, you know, how it displays 
and where it goes when it's story, when it's showing off like these people who live in their RVs or their trekked out um, bigger vans, then just kind of drive around the country, get a job for a while, make some money, then just drive somewhere else. I think it's wildly interesting to me. Um, but and I'm kind of and I'm kind of glad that, you know, this is a director who's relatively new and she was director, of course, and producer and writer and a couple other things, I think editor as well. Um, so she, mm -hmm. Chloe Zhao did a bunch of stuff for Nomadland. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, a, it's like a passion project, you know, win best picture. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I would give it to it. I think that um, it would be a couple of others um, if I had my way. So I'm kind of okay with it. I think it's a fine film, but I think again, there are others that are better that I think more are more deserving of this. Okay. Wow. I was interested. I I'm a, I'm slightly surprised because I know you gave it a nine out of ten, I believe. Mm -hmm. Nomadland. I also know you gave the father nine out of ten. I think you gave Sound of Metal nine out of ten. Sound like a it was almost a three-way tie for you in some aspects, but um, Father and Sound of Metal eked it out over Nomadland. But yeah, so it but it does sound like um, Promising Young Woman, Trial of Chicago 7, Minari were just more towards the bottom for you. I could, well, I put Minari in that same kind of list. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I could definitely see it oh, winning okay. Best Picture. That one feels more like a parasite. Um if everyone feels more like it could have been a parasite um, kind of year again. Because they're Korean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Promising Young Woman and Child of Chicago 7 were on the bottom of my list. Um, I guess I can kind of walk through my rankings for it. The Father at number one, um, Son of Meadow at number two. Number three was Judas and the Black Messiah. Number four was Mank. Number five was Minari. Then Nomadland. Then Child of the Chicago 7. And then Promising Young, Young Woman at number eight. Um, that's how I had it, sh I had it sh uh, shaken out. No Man Land, I think oh, I wow. did originally give it a nine out of 10. Um, I, I, it fluctuated between an eight, uh, a nine and a 10 for me. I didn't really know which one I would want to give it. Um, I ended up leaving it at a nine. It might drop down to an eight at some point. Um, cause remember when I first finished that film, I was like, holy crap, that was really good. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more <laughs> I'm just like, well, it's good, but not as good as some of these other films. And so what I thought yeah. about it initially, you know, not making as much of an impression on me that I've, I'm removed from it. So, yeah, I always got to give it to the one that I gave a 10 out of 10. So this year you didn't give a 10 to any of these films, which I thought if you were going to give a 10 to anything, it was actually going to be the father like I did, but no dice. Whereas last year I handed out four nines. So last year was just such a better year for movies that I would say, at least for those nominated. But I I am curious to see when we, if you revisited Nomadland in a few years, I'm curious to see how this film will age for you because it's very, very different, at least in my knowledge of anything that's won Best Picture before, because it's essentially a hybrid documentary some mm -hmm. of these people are real people. They're not actors. These are real actual situations. Um, like the leader of these nomads is a real person. It's very different, which was very surprising um, because it's part fiction, but it's also part fact. Like I said, it's kind of that hybrid. I'm just curious to see where your rating will stand. So maybe in a few years, 
we can revisit it and see if your rating has stayed that high or if it's kind of fallen. And I'm curious to see where that rating will sit with critics and audiences in a few years as well. Right. Because right now the movie's sitting at a 7.5 on IMDb. Now it does have a crazy high meta score that'll probably stay that way. But a 7.5 ties it with Promising Young Woman, um, believe it or not, um, making this the um, lowest, two lowest rated films um, to be nominated this year, according to the users of IMDb. Right. And also, if you, um, I did actually um, pull up the IMDb list, and out of 94 films, Nomadland is ranked 67. Um, that's pretty low. It's 7.5, ties it with Hurt Locker, West Side Story, shockingly, All the King's Men, and Wings, the very first film to win Best Picture. That 67 places it in the bottom third of all 94 Best Picture winners. So, take from that what you will. Um, IMDb users consider this to be towards the bottom of um, Best Picture of how good the films are. Just wanted to throw that out there right um for this movie right yeah i'm curious too to see in a few years you know yeah where will i stand and then where will that score be because this is a relatively new film i will i don't think this is a movie that really anybody would have watched had it not been for the oscars like i knew it floating around i knew people had seen it people were saying it was really good before the oscars were a thing but now that the oscars are out and now that's one best picture i mean you're gonna want people are gonna want to watch it now you know so I'm curious to oh, see yeah. in a few months or a couple of years from now, once that rating is kind of, you know, everyone's kind of, everyone who wanted to see it has seen it and the rating is kind of, you know, settled down. I wonder where it's going to be at in a bit. I'm also curious too, now that I, you know, I've been removed from it for a bit, I will come back to it in a couple of months and watch it again. You know, I wonder what my thoughts are going to be on that because as I stated, you know, it's a film where I, when I walked out of it the first time, I was like, man, that was real good. I was really invested for the whole runtime. Um, but after sitting on it, uh, you know, things are beginning to wane for me. Not necessarily a bad thing. I still think it's a good film, but I want to know what my thoughts are coming back to it at a later date. So we'll see. This is an, in this has definitely been a very interesting year, um, for the Oscars. Um, it's definitely been an interesting year just in, for film in general, because, you know, not a lot has come out. And I feel like that's kind of been the case for the Oscars just by looking at the nominations list. There are a lot of films on here, or at least a lot of nominations on here that kind of feel like, you know, it's, it's like a, um, okay, that's an interesting choice simply because there's just nothing coming out. Um, news of the world, we've been mentioning that here and there. I think it got nominated for what you said, four Oscars, right? Um, and um, it yep, didn't get four. anything. And I don't think any ones that it was, any of the categories that it was up for, really it was deserving of. It was, that's a weird film that I fail to understand why it's here. And kind of the same with Borat too. There's a few here <laughs> that I don't understand why they were nominated uh, at all for some of these categories. I mean, that's just signs that the pickings were very slim. Um, and so the oh, Academy yeah. just had to get what they had, could get their hands on what did release that year. Um, to make the fill out the the Oscar list for 2021, it is slim pickings, and at the same time, just to bring up a modern example, Moonlight won a couple years ago, and currently it holds a lower rating than Nomadland, mm -hmm. and that one has really uh, fallen over the over these past couple years as well. My prediction right here, right now, 
is that Nomadland, this one won't be the one that people really remember. I think of almost 100 uh, Best Picture winners, it's probably going to be lost into the bottom, into obscurity. One, not a lot of people purchase, put in their collections or remember. It is a strange choice to say the least for me anyways. But just to wrap this up real quick here, just to kind of give you a bird's eye overview, I kept a tally of what won and also the percentage of the shares it won that it was nominated for. So overall, this was a really low scoring night. This was one where it's not like Mad Max Fury Road and it shocks everybody by winning six of its 10 nominations. Mank was nominated for 10. It walked away with two, only won 20%. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, two of six, uh, Minari only won one, um, and the rest of these have six that I'm seeing right here. Um, Nomadland won three, Mm -hmm. so it actually won 50%, um, Sound of Metal two, The Father two, The Trial of the Chicago seven went home completely empty handed. Um, Ma Rainey won two of five, Promising Young Woman one of five, News of the World zero, One Night Miami actually won zero. Um, Soul won two of three, Tenet won one, Borat two won nothing, Emma won nothing, Hillbilly Elegy won nothing, Mulan won nothing, Pinocchio won nothing, and another round got one. So that makes uh, Nomadland the biggest winner of the night, um, winning three of its six nominations. The runner-up is Soul, with Ma Rainey coming in third. The biggest loser of the night is Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, the runner up is Mank was one of the big losers of the night, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third, I would say, is Minari. Now, as for studios go, Netflix came in with a whopping 35 nominations, which is it crazy. walked out. Yeah, which is utterly insane. Um, Amazon was in second place with 12 nominations, which is still pretty good. But of those 35, Netflix only won seven. It only won 20%, um, which still makes it, um, of all the studios, Netflix won the most Oscars of the night. But as far as like a percentage of the share goes, um, I would say uh, Hulu actually won more. Hulu won three of its seven. Amazon um, won two of the 12. Warner Brothers won three out of 10. Sony Picture Classics, two of six. A24 won one of six, Pixar won two of five, Universal won nothing, Disney won nothing, and Apple won nothing. So like I said, a very low scoring night, nothing really swept the Oscars at all. Uh, It was pretty, pretty low. Um, Now, as for, I also kept a tally of my correct guesses and my incorrect guesses. So of all the movies that I guessed on, I got nine um, correct. As opposed to, I got 11 incorrect. So, I almost broke even for tonight, actually. So, ultimately, that leads me to... um, Now, as far as runners-up go, I got five of those. And I was far off on six of them. So, that just leads me to say, for my final thoughts, this Oscars was a mixed bag for me. And this is what I told Alan in the text message last night was half of them I really thought deserved it and the other half I really thought pretty much didn't deserve it. Um, so, and if you take off the runners up, um, that those scores, uh, the totals really change. But I really think tonight there was some stuff that just really didn't make sense. So, 
Overall, this Oscars was a mixed bag. Not my favorite. I think some of the winners uh, really didn't deserve it, but some really did. And I got to say one last thing. I just wasn't as excited for this year's Oscars. Looking at the list of nominees, they all felt just kind of obscure and honestly, mostly polarizing. I think a lot of these best picture winners are fairly polarizing. I don't think many people are going to sit down all the way through for Mank, Nomadland, The Father, Minari. I think a lot of these movies, people just aren't going to be curious about or it's not going to keep most people's attention. So I got to say, I was longing for Parasite, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, just those movies, Marriage Story, Little Women, just really incredible films. We just didn't get that this year, honestly. And I think that's mostly due to COVID, unfortunately. So kind of disappointing. Not my favorite year. Yeah. And I'm kind of with you. This is a really strange year and it kind of started off with, and you can kind of go back and listen to our, um, when we were talking about the nominations, when that dropped um, for this year, Uh, I hadn't seen any of these. I think I watched like a couple. um, And I think I ended up having something along the lines of like 35 films to watch before you factor in the (laughs) shorts. Um, So I somehow made it. I somehow was able to watch, and this is the first year I think I've ever been able to do this. Um, I was able to watch absolutely everything that was nominated, everything that was nominated for an Oscar on the list, um, I was able to watch. So everything... I at least had some kind of context, especially for those documentaries and those shorts, which I've never really had context and they've always been hard to get your hands on. I finally had context as to, you know, which one won and what it was running up against. Um, so hopefully in the future, I can continue that. We'll see. This year was very different because, you know, everything was available from Netflix or Prime or Hulu or what have you, right? which made things a lot easier than either catching it in the theater or getting really unlucky, like with most like with most things, and it going into limbo right before the Oscars happen. Um, so we'll see if it keeps up. But as an overall package, yeah, this year's Oscars was kind of disappointing. You're right, Corbin. There's not a whole lot here that, you know, really like, oh my gosh, that totally deserves an Oscar. Um, it's more of what, what film is that? I didn't even know that that came out this year. Um, kind of, that was my reaction to pretty much all of these nominations. It feels like, so I think that with the Oscars that won, um, and the combination of how the Oscars, just the show went in general, this is by far the weirdest. And I would probably say from an overall standpoint, the worst Oscars we've had, um, at least in my recent memory. Um, and again, that's just kind of due to the unfortunate fact that we have COVID still kind of hanging around, um, which definitely doesn't help things. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do in the future. Um, there's a lot, I think that still needs to change for the Oscars to become relevant again. Um, there's a lot they changed here, but it definitely wasn't enough. Changing up how you structure the Oscars when it comes to giving out awards, I don't think it's the right way of going about it, especially when you do it in this weird of manner where you do best picture third to last um and expect somebody else <laughs> to win like uh like Chadwick Boseman and put him at the very last to make a big surprise and then all of a sudden that's not the case the academy voted for uh Anthony Hopkins and the father and the whole ceremony kind of falls flat at the very end um <laughs> yeah this has been a weird Oscars year for sure absolutely um 
And I'm honestly, it's kind of, it was kind of fun to watch the show happen. It's not as bad as I really painted out to be, but there were some, there were weird enough aspects and different enough aspects to make the show just come off as, as an overall package. Like what in the world are they smoking over there kind of vibe? So as an overall year, I think it was definitely a challenging year. Um, I don't think that the Oscars were definitely, they were definitely not spared from from what happened, unfortunately, and that kind of resulted in a kind of mediocre, at best, Oscars because of, you know, everything that was held back or couldn't be put into production fast enough or what have you for not making the Oscars. Um, making that list also kind of bare bones as well. Well, listeners, we want to know what you think of this year's Oscars. Maybe you're really pleased with it or... Maybe you're just kind of disappointed like us, and it really was just a mixed bag, unfortunately. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. So, I'm mostly curious, though, have you seen most of these movies? These movies, a lot of these movies were pretty hard to get your hands on. There's a pretty steep um, price barrier of entry. A lot of these movies were behind a really big paywall that we had to get through, which really wasn't fun, really wasn't uh, very kind to our wallets. Um, this Oscar wasn't year, unfortunately, but we want to know what you think. Are you going to see Nomadland? If you haven't, now that it's one best picture, what do you think that's going to do to its IMDb score? You think it's going to tank it? As we've seen with Mank, Mank's got a pretty not great score going on now. Understandably, I would say it's just a lot of people's not for them, but we want to know what you think. Also, we want to say a big thank you. If you've made it this far, you are a diehard Silver Screen Guide fan, and we would just want to say a big thank you. So uh, make sure to share with your friends and family. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. I'm excited to see some of your comments, excited to respond to some of them. And of course, if you want to join us more outside of just the regular show, then head on over to our Patreon page where, you know, it's a bit more of an intimate circle of friends over there talking about movies, um, getting some behind the scenes stuff. The Patreon place is where you want to be. Link to that in the description below. And of course, check out our thoughts on past years at the Oscars. All of that is in the description below. Always check that out. And also, A Quiet Place came out today. Our review for that, we kicked that off. Make sure to check that out. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast already, Definitely subscribe. We put out a new review every Monday. Usually we don't put out two like we are today, but we really wanted to get our thoughts on the Oscars out right away. We do that every year. And next Monday is going to be Bird Box, so you're not going to want to miss either of those reviews. Well, we, uh, we've got definitely some more podcasting to do this week behind the scenes we always do it ahead of time so now that the oscars are over we get to focus on our denis villeneuve movie review series i'm pretty excited to talk about those with alan and hear all of your thoughts as well but alan thanks for joining me sure thing all right listeners thank you for joining us make sure to check out our review of a quiet place out now make sure to subscribe we will be releasing your guide to Bird Box on Thursday, and then we'll see you next week with Bird Box. So plenty of content coming out. The Saturday reviews are coming back. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that review will be coming this Saturday. The series just ended. Now we actually have some time to get to these movies. I know the Saturday reviews have been gone, but Saturday reviews are coming back. I'm excited for that. So we'll see you then, listeners.
Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide. Um, especially the Keith Stanfield and Paul Racy, those are the, those two really stand out in my mind as well with David Kaluuya. It's also kind of funny that both you know David Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield got nominations for Judas and the Black Messiah as a supporting role, but neither of them got. Um, no, there are no nominations for somebody on from Judas and the Black Messiah in a leading role, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. I I want to check his name real quick because you keep saying David Kaluuya. Is it David or Daniel Kaluuya? Did I say David Kaluuya? Ah, I'm okay. I got my notes wrong. Then it's Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, you've said it about ten times. <laughs> so I did. I was trying to cut you off, but I don't think you heard me. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. And we just read. Let me redo what uh, what I had said. <laughs> Yeah. I, mean, I have no idea where that came from either, Daniel Kaluuya. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you where that even, where that came from. I, I guess I've always thought that his name was Daniel. Huh. You know, where's, again, where's Tenet on this list? I, I feel like... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that? It sounded like a Blade Runner vehicle. A motorcycle, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, s- Speaking of Blade Runner, did you uh, did you ever did you happen happen to catch um, Harrison Ford's speech as he like introduced the uh, the award? Um, no, no, I don't think so. It was really funny. Uh, if you have a chance, you should go back and watch it. He came up on stage and he says, "I have a note from you know from some kind of film from film critics um, regarding." editing things and he like starts reading this note and it's about it's about the u.s theatrical release of blade runner he starts off oh. by saying the narration is slow and drunk is the guy who did this is he is he drunk when he came in to that's record hilarious it? and starts getting into editing and stuff that's it's, clever. it was really funny that is funny it was really funny um i was in the middle of saying something i totally don't even remember where i was